Images from movies have a special way, and TV have a special way of sticking in your head. They'll come back again and again and again until the day you die. That's how it is. Watch your movies. Watch your TV shows. I'm not saying there aren't movies you can watch. There are. That there's no television show that you can watch. There are shows you can watch. You just have to be careful. You have to be very careful. Books and magazines, of course. Those can be extremely sensual in, in a variety of different ways. Some for men, some for women. Remember, generally, men and women think about these things differently. So the kinds of pornography, the kinds of images in, in books that are directed towards women tend to be different. Hello and welcome again to Grace Maryville Weekly, which is a podcast ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. The sermon you are about to hear is a part of a sermon series presented by Pastor Chris Reiser from the book of Matthew. Pastor Chris has sought to demonstrate that Jesus is the King, which is the overall theme of the book of Matthew. It is our goal to provide messages on Monday and Friday weekly from the pulpit at Grace Community Church to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to call everyone to repent and believe. Let's listen now as Pastor Chris works exegetically through the text. Colossians 1 says that we, so that you may walk in a manner, verse 10, so so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Any doctrine that undoes the pleasure of God at every individual act of sanctification is a devastating doctrine. As though somehow you've pleased God as much as you can because you are in Christ and everything else you do is just, you know, it's kind of, kind of gravy. No, anything you do that pleases, that, that is right, that is according to scriptural principles brings a special pleasure to the heart of God. This is what he says. Yes, he is pleased with us in the big, bigger sense in Christ. But yes, he gains greater and greater pleasure in his relationship with us as we pursue holiness. This is the teaching of scripture. And this will drive you towards holiness because every act of obedience brings pleasure to the heart of God. Now, think about that. At the end of the day, how many acts of obedience has any given believer done? Hundreds. Hundreds. You've made all kinds of decisions for the Lord. And even this area of of sexual morality, so many of you have made a thousand good decisions. You need to rejoice because every one of those brought pleasure to the heart of God. And even when you failed, if you sought repentance and forgiveness, that pleased the heart of God as well. Well, now we need to move on to some more practical things. All these are practical at some level, but I would be remiss if I did not try to move you through some of the things that will, ooh, stepped on a communion cup. Some of the things that will help you as you consider how you might keep, we might call these fences, we might call these things that will help guard your heart. We will deal with these much more in detail on Wednesday night with the teens. We'll be starting our BMW series. Actually, it probably won't be till I get back from, from the conference and vacation in February. So probably the first weekend in March, I'm urging, I'm asking uh, at least one parent to come with every teen to go through our, our biblical manhood and womanhood series. If you've already been through it, parents, come again. You you need to hear it. but So we'll go through that more in detail, but I must do it here, at least in the big picture, so that you can get uh, some more help in how you might guard yourself. Some of these things you're probably familiar with, some you may not be. First, you must carefully guard your media intake. You knew this was coming. The media is full of 
sexual desire. It is full of, of the inflammation towards this sin. And as I said, even this afternoon, all of you are going to have to be careful. I usually get to hold the remote at the Super Bowl parties. They give it to me. I'm like, thanks. Because I can't talk to anybody else because the moment I turn my head, what happens? Something on the TV is not as it should be. Do I think it's worthwhile to be able to watch the game? Yeah, just barely these days. It's harder and harder to do it, but we can still get it done. And we actually can make kind of, we have fun with the remotes. Like, turn that off. Not fun and seeing anything, but never seeing anything. That, that's, that's the goal anyway. And the Lord is gracious to us. But you're going to have to be very careful. Ephesians 5, 3. But immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. You're not supposed to name it, not much less watch it or talk about it. No filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Ephesians 5.11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. You don't do them, you shine the light upon them. It says it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Why would we talk about it? Why would you watch shows in which sexual innuendo abounds? And with inappropriate dress and inappropriate actions are everywhere. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. This, of course, includes movies, television shows. Randy Alcorn says this, how does something shocking and shameful somehow become acceptable because we watch it through a television instead of through a window? The images from movies have a special way, and TV have, have a special way of sticking in your head. They'll come back again and again and again until the day you die. That's how it is. Watch your movies. Watch your TV shows. I'm not saying there aren't movies you can watch. There are. That there's no television show that you can watch. There are shows you can watch. You just have to be careful. Right? You have to be very careful. Books and magazines, of course. Those can be extremely sensual in, in a variety of different ways. Some for men, some for women. Remember, generally, men and women think about these things differently. So the kinds of pornography, the kinds of images in, in books that are directed towards women tend to be different. Less and less so these days. But nonetheless, they tend to be different. How about music? Here it is. Young, young ladies, perk your ears up for a moment. Here is often where young women are taken in. Those that are not necessarily as deeply affected by the graphic image are often wooed and romanced by the emotional longings expressed in a song. Be so careful. It draws your heart, ladies. And you begin to think inappropriate about relationships and inappropriate about men. And it will be very devastating to you. It's not that men don't also respond to that, but this is a window often to a woman's soul is through music. You need to be so careful. Guys, no unbeliever ever wrote a song about love that was right, not one. Because they don't know Jesus. I'm sorry, they never could. Because they don't delight in Christ. And the, and the source of all love is to delight in Christ. You can never listen to a secular song and get a proper understanding of love. Hear me, I didn't say you could never listen to a secular song. I just say you could never listen to it and get a proper view of love. Ever. You know what? No, I, won't, I won't go there. Carefully guard your computer usage. These are all tied together. They're not separate things. Media and the computer are so tied together these days that you get most of your media on your computer. But I, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. One, stop continually surfing. I'm just kind of bored. I'm going to click around through various web pages. If you have no intent, get off the net. It's going to kill you. And I say these things very strongly for uh, purposely. It's not that I hate the internet. I, I use the internet. 
I've just seen so many lives devastated by this. You need to have intent. Get on, use it for what it's good for. Get off of it quickly. It's going to harm you, even with your filters, even with all the other things. If you just spend hours drifting through, you will be caught. It simply will work that way. Men, women, it doesn't matter. Late nights up alone. Be so careful. College student, watch out. Man busy at work at night. There's times sometimes you have to be up and everybody's asleep. You better be careful about what you're doing on your computer. Ladies, the same. Being up late alone at night is a devastating place to be generally. Be so careful with that. Make some commitments with your spouse. Talk about this with your children. Obviously, very careful use of your social media. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but the the ever-increasing statistic of the old flames that are found on Facebook, it's rampant. It happens in the church. All of a sudden, you get the little message, hey, remember we went out in high school? How are you? Oh, that would never affect me. Don't you believe it? One message can be enough to fan into flame a, a desire which leads to an illicit relationship. Don't, don't go there. Now, guys, I use social media. I think that's some tremendous blessings and benefits. I use it with, with filters so that those ads don't pop up. You know, the ads that are directed directly towards how old you are and whether you're male or female. There's a way to get rid of those. You can do it. I do. It's helpful so that then I can communicate with people I would never see. It's wonderful in many ways, but be careful. So I'm not anti-media. I'm not anti-computer. I am pro using all of these wisely and well. Be so careful. Child-proof your home computer network. Really, adult and child-proof it. There are ways to do this. Tim Challies wrote a great article. It was right around Christmas time about you, you even go to your router how, where the internet enters into your home. You can change settings on your router. Then every computer should have a password. All of them should be covered by some sort of, of, of checking uh, computer program. So I, on Christmas Day, we, we love iPads. We love our computers. We play Age of Empires together as a family. We have a great time. But I spent most of the day, because we had some iPads and swapped them around, I spent most of the day getting on every one of them, turning off the ways to get on the Internet so my children can't get there, passwording everything, including my own, so that we can be very careful of what we do. And then we spent the evening playing, uh, playing our, the, the games that we love to play. We love to play strategy games on our iPads. It was wonderful. But we had protected ourselves in that way. Take great care with your tablets, with your iPhones, with all these other things. And make no excuses. Now, I, I in the first service said, you must do this. Scripture does not command that you have covenant eyes on your computer. It does command that you flee from evil and that you protect your heart, Proverbs 4. And so I think it at least comes close to that. Well, I don't have the money for Covenant Eyes or one of these other, uh, other you know, programs that filter things. Then you don't have the money to be on the internet. Get off it. I say that very strongly, and I say it strongly on purpose. No excuses. Well, it gets in the way. I, I, I need it for work. You're going to have to talk to your work. You're going to have to say, you know what? Uh, I've got this filtering program. You need to help me get what websites am I going to need. It's going to take you a lot of time and work. It's going to be frustrating. You need it. Put it on there. <laughs> Spent that time putting covenant eyes on all of our computers, all of our tablets, all of our phones, at least mine particularly. So I can't access anything without there being record of it. And that record gets sent to my wife and to my son. It's pretty good accountability. They can see every place I've been, how much time I've been on the net. And sometimes I have to explain things, not by the Lord's grace because I've been anywhere wrong, but because those, those sites access other sites. And they're like, whoa, what's this? And I'm really thankful for that. Well, let me, let me explain. That site was accessed through another one. I didn't go on there. But you guys, so important. And of course, I don't even have time to get all into all the issues of using the social media to develop relationships. That'll be Wednesday night. 
It's not to be used to, to develop relationships. You, you can keep relationship and communicate, but it can be so dangerous when it comes to, uh, you know, the innocent text or tweet. Or the young man who, is, you know, would like to develop a relationship with a young woman says, you know, what would it be like if we just hold hands? That's the little tweet that goes. Well, what's the next one? And what's the next one? And what's the next one? Oh, you best be careful. That's how those things begin. And so you need to watch so carefully. And parents, you need to know. And young people, you ought to just be handing your phones. What is this about, well, my parents can't look at my phone and this is my property? The Lord knows what's on your phone. You might as well hand it to your parents. And every night you should just say, hey, would you you look at my phone? I'd like you to check my texts. I'd like you to check my tweets. Because I want to be accountable before you because I love you and I love my God. I mean, the parents having to bust down your door to try to get your phone is just ridiculous. If you're an unbelieving child, I get it. If you're a believing child, I don't get it. And it shouldn't be happening. And parents, you need to be, you need to pay attention. Oh, okay, I got to hop off my soapbox. That's Wednesday nights. Because it's so important because I see so much devastation. And I, now I've already been through the hard attitudes. Remember, I'm not saying that you just do all these things and everything will be fine. I've, we spent weeks on the hard attitudes, but we also need to spend weeks on these areas that you're going to fail in if you, the hard attitude is not going to protect you entirely. No excuses here, you guys. Number three is carefully guarding of habits towards members of the opposite sex. There's so much to say here. I, I don't have time. Don't be discussing personal issues, prayer requests of a personal nature. Dads, fathers, husbands with someone who's not your wife. Be so careful. With that. You're in a group setting, that's fine. Share things with your fellowship group, but not individual one-on-one. Hey, would you just play for me? The intimacy that's developed there almost instantaneously will be devastating to you. Young people, as you're developing relationships that might one day lead to marriage, be so careful that you're not sharing even these kinds of things that lock you into an emotional relationship with someone that it's not time for. Sounds really spiritual, but unless you've got some kind of guardianship of of parameters around your relationship, you're going to end up in trouble. No incidental contact. We're so careful of this in our office. We talk about this as elders. You're handing money to the secretary. You 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 don't touch hands. You're very careful that that doesn't happen. You don't position yourself around the copier in such a way that there might be a presence or, or something that would be incited to lust. You don't do it. You don't go out certainly to lunch with those who are, you know, first who's not your spouse. You know, I've been in youth ministry for years and years and the careful positioning so that I don't stand next to a teen inappropriately or sit with them on the plane or on the bus as we go places has been constant. And by the Lord's grace, he's been gracious to allow that there was, there has not been sin in those ways. But there could be, and so many fall into it, not just youth pastors, obviously, but, but, but anyone. No time alone with lunches, those things. No time alone in offices. My professor of church ministry at Masters, he had been church planning and been in ministry for 30 years. He had a staff member one time who was playing tennis with a woman who wasn't his wife, just them alone. He called him in the office, both of them says to the man, do you have a problem with that? He goes, no. He goes, you're fired. That's the right response. You're fired. You, you can't play like that. You can't do that with someone that's not your wife. No way. Accountability to others is very important as well. We talked about that a little bit already. By the way, young people, here's the, here's the, the standard I would hold out to you. Always be alone in public as you develop relationships. That is, always be where someone else can put their eyes on you. It's good to be if you're developing a relationship towards marriage, which I hope that you all someday will, those whom the Lord is not called, called to be single, that you would do that with other people around. You know, alone is good, but not alone with nobody around. That's not good. Do everything you can to keep from that in someone's house, anywhere you are, and you can do that. It's hard, but think of the benefits that will pay off later. If you're in the car together, keep it moving. If it stops, when it stops, there ought to be people around. 
I think that's very clear. I don't probably need to go into any further discussion there. The car stays moving, and then when it stops, there's people around to view you. Pretty easy. Well, it's easy to say. It's not easy to do. No one says, um, who says it? Randy Alcorn. He says, no one who is fleeing from immorality turns around and says, am I far enough away yet? It's not how close is too close or how far is too far. Your question is how holy is too holy. Now we need to deal with one other subject before we move to communion, and that is overcoming barriers that can promote adultery, and there are many here. This speaks largely to spouses, to husbands and wives, but not exclusively. And the first major barrier that has to be overcome so that adultery does not get promoted, that is, so that it isn't easy to commit adultery, the barrier is the barrier of abuse. I mentioned this two weeks ago, and want you to be to understand that as I talked about the fact that Elisa was abused while she was in, in high school, sexually abused, that she's aware of that, that we talk about that, that we use that together as a means of ministry to others. So I didn't just you know, hop up there and say that. We've been doing this for years, talking with others about it. Here's what, here's what the statistics say, that one of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. Staggering statistic of 44.6% of women experience non-rape sexual violence. Now, some of that has to do with, with the demographics of where those are taken from. I don't think that's fully the same in the church entirely, but I'm telling you that it's rampant. And when there has been abuse, there will be incredible difficulty in sexual intimacy. It will be very hard. Elisa and I have been wrestling, working through this for 25 years. And the Lord has given us much victory and, and certainly greater joy, but it remains an issue. And it most likely will until we go to be with the Lord. Think of it this way. That which is supposed to be desirable when a woman has been abused now makes you just want to throw up. It's similar perhaps to being force-fed your favorite food until it makes you sick to your stomach. Every time you see that food, it triggers the reaction of disgust. Man, you need to understand this. Because it's going to take time and work and prayer and love to help someone through those kinds of wrestles which are triggered every time the deepest of intimacy is supposed to be found. I don't have time this morning to delve more deeply into that, but you, you need to work through it. And it's going to take some time. However, just because sinful action has marred your physical intimacy, it doesn't mean that it isn't worth the effort and that, in fact, you aren't commanded to still recover from it. You cannot simply be, well, I'm done with that. Yeah, I'll get married and, yeah, we might have some children, but I will never choose to enjoy and I will never choose to pursue. You're going to need some help with this. And you're going to need to talk through it because you are then you are then not able to receive the spiritual benefit that the Lord has for you that is necessary in enhancing and, and developing the depth of your marriage. As I said, I've been tremendously grateful to my wife for her willingness to work hard to recover a healthy biblical view and practice of intimacy. Another huge, huge barrier is previous sin of the husband or wife. There's been involvement in pornography. There perhaps even has been unto adultery, and yet the marriage is still together, and, and yet it's just barely together. And so always the, the spouse is viewed in light of that sin. They're never forgiven. It's never let go. There's bitterness and anger and hardness of heart, as though that sin is the one that can't be forgiven. Now, the difficulty is that it impacts at perhaps the deepest level, a sexual sin. So it is perhaps the hardest sin to forgive. I, I understand that but it must be forgiven and it must be worked through. This is so devastating that there are times, well, the next one would be, well, I'm not quite there yet. There are times when, when this has happened early on in a marriage and the marriage is just hanging on 20 years later because there's never been a full resolving of this because you probably need to sit down and talk with someone. 
This becomes that you can never recover from that syndrome. You'll never be good enough in my eyes. You'll never actually be pure. It can be husband or wife that wrestles either side. And this will devastate your marriage. And it is, it is ungodly. Christ forgives totally and completely. Now, I understand the weightiness. It's not just the husband or the wife says, hey, you just need to forgive me. What's your problem? Husbands do that. Wives do that. It's grievous. But there does need to be forgiveness, even though there is weightiness to the sin. There are other physical barriers. That would be number three. Ignorance, believe it or not, there are people that don't even know. Well, I don't mean this demeaningly. You haven't even taken time to understand how physical intimacy actually works. And you still don't know that after 20 years. You need to know and understand. And I'm not talking so much mechanics. I'm talking about with your husband or with your wife, knowing how best to help them. And you don't even know that. You've never talked about it because maybe on your wedding night, things went wrong and you've refused to talk about it 20 years into your marriage. You need to overcome those physical barriers. Physiological issues, just understanding how those things work. Undesirable appearance. Who, who cares what I look like? Let myself go, it doesn't matter. Those things are difficult. Now, we, we all move more undesirable in our appearance as we get older. That's how it works. I get that. You can't fix that. And I'm not saying you all got to run down to the gym because, you know, these you can engage joyfully in physical intimacy pretty much regardless of how you look. But part of it has to do with how I desire to help you and to do everything I can to make this a desirable thing. Exhaustion, you're just too tired. Got too much, you got too, you're too busy. You need to back off your schedule. This happens particularly to busy moms. Oh my goodness, you've been running around with the kids all day long, totally exhausted. And then the idea of physical intimacy is like, what are you talking about? But you're gonna have to learn and have your husband help you to take off some of that burden so there can be a little bit of relief and so there can be pursuit of these things. It's not an excuse to say, well, I'm just always busy. It's always how it is. And husbands, you better help. So that there is the ability to even do this. There's mental and emotional barriers. That would be number four. That is prudishness, where you grew up in a home where this was viewed as, well, if you, if you like this, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, we do this, you know, to have children, but that's about it. Uh, you gotta, it's a long time trying to overcome that one. Right? Now, re- refusing to, to, to engage, uh, having, having a refusal to actually try to pursue that person in your mind or heart. There's lifestyle barriers, simply being busy, having children. This is a big one, is it not? I mean, you didn't have any children. You were able to have them. And then all the children come along. There's no time and the kids are around. What do we do? Guys, you got to learn to work through that. It's not just, well, we got kids, we're done. No, no, you have to learn how to work through putting them in the places they need to be and doing what you need to do. It takes a lot more work, but it needs to be done. Communication barriers, poor skills of communication, avoidance, baggage. How about, how about when there's been rejection? Some of you, unfortunately, in your marriages, as you try to pursue these things together, you reject one another. Do you understand the depths of hurt that that is if someone tries to pursue physical intimacy and you reject them? And there's no discussion about it afterwards as to why that might have been or what was going on. There are those on their very wedding nights, one spouse rejected the other. And again, 15 years later, they're reliving that moment and saying, I, I do not forgive you for that. And their physical intimacy has been very difficult for the entire time. Some, maybe more than would like to admit that. You're going to have to talk about that. You've got to work through it. And you need to work on talking with one another and not rejecting each other out of hand and learning how to carefully work through this. I invented a statistic in the last service. Remember, 75% of statistics are invented on the spot. I'm going to invent another one, but I think it's probably pretty close. I would say that maybe 80% of you don't talk weekly or maybe haven't talked monthly about your physical intimacy because it's just too painful. If you don't talk about this, you will never fix it. And if you reject each other out of hand when someone tries to bring it up to discuss it, then you will never grow and you will be harming one another and harming the Lord. Some of you are going to have to sit down with a mediator. 
Because the moment you try to bring this up, everything just explodes. Sit down with someone. Have them step you through it and work you through it so you learn how to communicate. I understand that. You need to do it. Or otherwise, you are prone to adultery. This very thing that Jesus says, rip out the eye and cut off the hand. And refusing to talk about it and work through the hard steps necessary are going to draw you towards adultery of heart, certainly. And oftentimes, adultery of of action. There are spiritual barriers, bitterness, anger, refusal to cultivate any kind of delight. We'll do this, but I refuse to enjoy it. I will not. A lack of forgiveness, entitlement. This can happen on either the part of the man or the woman. They read 1 Corinthians 7 where it says, my body belongs to, to uh, your body belongs to me, my body belongs to you, so you better, you, know, you better give me your body. Man, just don't go there. Women, don't go there. You can talk and work and discuss, and those principles are true. That's a joyful, beautiful principle, not something to be demanded and entitled. I gave a CD once about that passage to an unbeliever. Biggest mistake I'd ever made in my life. He thought that was wonderful teaching, right? You're mine. Didn't go well. Because there was no biblical love to go along with it. It was devastating. Now, again, we're we're just touching these things. I pray and hope that, that you will consider carefully how it is that you might begin discussions in these areas so that you might, with your children, children with your parents, older people with one another, and then with younger people as you work through it, spouses, certainly. But but this picture, this picture of purity really brings us to the communion table, doesn't it? The picture of avoiding idolatry, of ripping out the eye and the hand so that we might, and cutting off the hand so we might be pure. How does it bring us to the table? Because we are the pure bride of Christ. That is who we are called to be. So if the men will come forward, I would just like to, to read a couple of passages that remind us of this metaphor that we have of Christ and the church and that we are to be a pure and holy bride. And he died for the very reason that we would have purity. And that we would be holy and that, that the whole area of physical intimacy is the picture into that that is provided in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, you're familiar with it. You can turn there if you want. Ephesians 5, verse 24. But the, as the church is subject, excuse me, verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. He died to clothe you in his righteousness, justification. He also died to, in a continual way, present you as his precious bride in increasing daily holiness before him with no spot or wrinkle. And we come to the table rejoicing in the clothes of righteousness, and rejoicing in the pursuit of righteousness. And so we also come grieving where we have not pursued that, knowing that Christ died to purchase us to be his precious and holy bride. It's a very visceral picture, isn't it? As we consider the nature of what we've just been discussing, the importance of of spiritual purity, to bring it home even perhaps more clearly in 2 Corinthians 11, if you want to turn there. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to this wrestling congregation, wrestling with sin. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so as we come to the table, recognizing that our our holy, perfect groom 
has died for us to make us his holy, perfect bride. Might we grieve over the sin that we've committed over this week that, that was not the simplicity of purity, of devotion to Christ. And then might we rejoice in his cleansing blood to clothe us in his righteousness and empower us to be holy. So the table brings both the grieving over not being the bride that we should be in our actions and rejoicing over the fact that Christ in his own work has made us to be the bride that he is directing us to be. What a joy. And yet also what weightiness to our sin. So carefully consider these things and your desire to be the pure and holy bride that the Lord died that you would be. Thank you for joining us again on Grace Maryville Weekly. These messages are just a small collection of sermons that have been presented at Grace Community Church in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. If you would like to learn more about Grace Community Church, where Pastor Chris serves as an elder and pastor, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that is gracemaryville.org. There, not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries at Grace, but you will also be able to access a full audio archive of messages not only presented by Pastor Chris, but also messages presented to our women's ministry, youth ministry, and college-aged ministries, as well as the SOLA and Essentials conferences hosted at Grace. We invite you to visit us online And we hope that you will join us again next time as Pastor Chris continues to exegetically work through the book of Matthew. Until then, remember that Jesus is the King, and the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ.